to the Skeptic Wire. It's like my, my version of, of a Dalek. Sure. <laughs> Skeptic Wire! You've Exterminate! Been, you've been watching too much stuff. Communicate! <laughs> All right. Hey, okay. Hey! Hello! Hello! Okay, it's November 30th, 2011. This is episode 34 of the Skeptic Wire podcast. Yay! Yay. I'm David Hardcore. This is a special show today. Uh, I'm joined, as usual, by Gary Lawn. Hello! Greg Perrine. I am not naked. And Donna Swafford. He's telling the truth. I'm here, but not really. But we're also joined today by special guests, uh, members of the San Antonio and Austin skeptic community. Yay! And we'll be talking to and Nick Lee a little bit. So I think we're going to have a good show, right? Yes. yes. Everyone's <laughs> How was everyone's holidays? Fattening. It, it was. It was filling. Good. Very busy. Filled everyone with. Was had a good time. Thankful and friends and, and frivolity. Fam- friends and family. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Well, friends. We don't. We won't talk about family. Okay. <laughs> a couple of updates. I think we have one update on on a story we did before, and that's uh, the James Arthur Ray. Uh, we did a we did a story on James Arthur Ray, um, and he has been now sentenced. Uh, Why don't you remind the audience who James Arthur Ray was? The okay. Audience, who James Arthur Ray is? I'll shut up then. And can you use his name in a sentence? <laughs> okay. To recap, James Arthur Ray uh, was kind of one of these early adopters of the secret that kind of really woo. Um, there you go. <laughs> That proposes that if you wish it, it will come true. Um, it's like wishful thinking on steroids. And he was in the secret movie, uh, which was the secret movie. It wasn't right. a secret no, movie. Secret. That, 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 that was called the secret, movie. secret something, right? He's got the it. movie He's got entitled it. The Secret. And then he was invited on Oprah with the cast and became actually pretty well known. He kind of took the secret and ran with it. Um, he, he wrote a book called Harmonic Wealth that tells you basically how to use the secrets. Once you get what you wish for, you got to be careful what you wish for. So he developed a system on how to use the secret in all areas of your life. Um, he started presenting this in conferences. He started getting big crowds. He's, he, he, then he kind of moved on. He went around the world looking for you know, sacred knowledge from gurus and healers, learn just enough to be able to say, you know, speak their language a little bit and think he knew what they were talking about. Then he and, started having to sell some books. And sell books. Very important. And he did these kind of survivalist uh, camps. And he had one in Sedona, uh, Arizona. And in that camp, which is supposed to take people to their limits and, and give them new, you know, heights of, of consciousness, he had an, kind of an extreme sweat lodge. Um, so the sweat lodge was extremely hot. He, he wanted to take everyone to their breaking point. He told everyone, you may feel like you're going to die, but you're not. Just push through. And three people died in, in one sweat lodge. Um, now, he was uh, sentenced today, not, I mean this week, to, um, well, for three counts of manslaughter, two Voluntary for or each. involuntary, do we know? <sighs> What type of manslaughter was Probably it? Like it wasn't voluntary. It wasn't voluntary. involuntary. involuntary. Um, two years for each count, but he's allowed to serve those concurrently. Uh. So he will be getting two years in prison. 
Which will uh, probably work out to like 37 yeah. days. Yeah. Now, he still has a lot of supporters. He still posts. He tweets. He posts to his Facebook. Uh, he has a lot of support. He's not going anywhere. And I imagine in two years we'll probably be seeing no, some No, he'll more find books. some way to Sweat. get back into it and make money. Yeah. Sweat lodges are big business. I mean, you just set up a hut. You know, he may move heat. on to something else. Um, That's probably a I good idea. Anyone, yeah. He doesn't the have a good track record two. with it. Uh, to me, it kind of discredits the secret. If if he's an expert at it and you get everything you wish for and he's going to be sitting in jail wishing he was not in jail. Um, but, but see, that, that kind of – perhaps he wanted those people to die. Secretly, yeah. And perhaps Secretly. he wanted to he urinate in front know. of other men and wanted to be in jail. Well, there's yes. been a lot of excuses of how this happened. He'll rationalize it. There'll be a lot of post hoc rationalization. But there's <laughs> that, our update. That, that's on the James, problem with, with that kind of thinking is you you blame the victim. Yeah. Also, from the other side, you know, the, the people obviously didn't think their way through to beyond the sweat lodge. You know, it's blaming blaming the rape victims. It's yeah. it's blaming the, the people who who have. Uh, uh, accidents where they lose, you know. Right. What was? What did I think that caused secret. that? You know, it's it's yeah. really really would be depressing to me to really actually believe that yeah. if things are going badly for me. Right. <laughs> things are going well, fine. As soon as things go badly, it would be pretty depressing. Right. If I thought it was because I thought some thought that I wasn't supposed to think. Yeah. But right. at least James Arthur Ray is actually going to be punished with some jail time for this. It may not be as much as we had hoped, but. He is being punished, and hopefully that will get him a bad reputation. Well, and yeah. maybe he'll just have to go into insurance salesman. Probably or lost something. a few followers. Well, now. you know, here here is Probably my not. issue with it. He's getting two years. Yes, technically he has six, but they're running concurrently. Whereas the guy behind the death of Michael Jackson, I mean, the guy threw the book at him as much. And I'm just like, it's like, okay, one person versus three people. There's the fame issue, and I'm that just that annoys me. A real quick update, too, on the – what was the guy's name in uh, that did the massacre in um, – The Nor- Nor- Norwegian, Norwegian – yeah, I don't he's remember been, his name. He's been um, Declared insane. Okay, insane. insane. So right. he won't go to prison, but he'll go somewhere safe, I hope. Hopefully he'll get some Away. treatment. Now, there's another um, – this is a special date also. It is a birthday and it is it's Mark, not my birthday. Mark Twain's 176th birthday today. Yay! Yay! Okay. Um, Chris Rada of Free Thought Blogs has put together a few quotes of his, and I'm going to read a couple of them. Actually, let's all read one. Okay. Then you're going to have but to the pass fun, the paperwork But the, the fun thing about Mark Twain is just how many quotes out there are actually misattributed to him because he's just known to be witty and, you know, so it may be possible that some of these might actually not be Mark Twain quotes. Chris Rod is if a you look up, researcher. If, if you look up okay, on the Internet. If anybody's going to get a quote right, it's Chris Rod. I'm you, just, it's a small disclaimer that it's entirely possible we could be wrong. As skeptics, we've got to be truthful to ourselves and say, these are probably Mark Twain quotes, but. It ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. Um, okay. Randomly pick one. There has only been one Christian, there has been only one Christian, they caught him and crucified him early. (laughs) 
Um, I need to grab one. I, just... I don't know if the one I was thinking of is on here. Probably not. Um, one of the things I saw today earlier when I was looking up that I liked, I, I hope I don't get it wrong, um, the, the clothes make the man because naked people rarely make history or something <laughs> like that. But apparently there's another quote that's famously attributed to Mark Twain, which is um, Wagner's music is not as is, – is better than it – it's better than it sounds or something like that. But that's actually something Mark Twain himself attributed to someone else. But always, everyone always says that it's Mark Twain. Right. Always uh, have to be careful I, with quotes. You're absolutely exactly. right. Exactly. I have one that has to do with uh, my topic and uh, I think David's topic as well uh, about free speech. He wrote, sometimes my feelings are so hot that I have to take to the pen and pour them out on paper to keep them from setting me afire inside. Then all that ink and labor are wasted because I can't print the result. I have just finished an article of this kind and it satisfies me entirely. It does my weather-beaten soul good to read it and, and admire the trouble it would make for me and the family. I will leave it behind and utter it from the grave. There is free speech there and no harm to the family. <laughs> I, w- I wonder if it's one of those things that um, apparently Mark Twain wrote an autobiography but didn't want it published until, was it 100 years after his death? No. I was wondering if that Maybe if what he actually wrote that he didn't want to publish made it into I, one I of those would, things. I would imagine it is because there's lots of un- unprinted things. Uh, there, there's a more pithy quote uh, about that, and, and he says, In America, as elsewhere, free speech is confined to the dead. Okay, Greg, tell us Well, about, that was a... <laughs> tell us about Obama's Thanksgiving address. Well, um, every year, most president, um, as far as I know, most presidents for the past century or so have um, given a, a Thanksgiving address to the nation, whether it's on radio or TV, and now it's on the Internet. Um, and President Obama gave the usual address and, you know, a lot of um, things along the lines of, as Americans, each of us has our own list of things that people have, um, to be thankful for. But there are some blessings that we all share. Or, you know, the very first Thanksgiving was a celebration of community during a time of great hardship, and we have followed the example ever since, and so on and so on. Well, apparently, what has gotten a lot of people incensed over the last week or so is that nowhere in his uh, YouTube address did he mention the word God. YouTube. Yeah, it, it was posted to YouTube. It wasn't. It wasn't on the television. He posted to YouTube and said everybody. Yeah, he on it? he went straight to the YouTube. Really? Yes. I did not know that. I wasn't. There, there attention. actually are some uh, new media savvy politicians, unlike uh, what was his name, uh, Senator Brownback, who we'll get to Brownback, later. Brownback. Yep. Um, <laughs> so. It, How dare you? Yeah, exactly. A lot of people, especially the Fox News types, flip their lids. <laughs> and, and, and started calling and making... Uh, <laughs> Writing stiffly worded missives yes. to WhiteHouse.gov. So there are some things uh, some people said. Someone ought to remind Obama that when Americans sit down uh, around a meal and give thanks, they give thanks to God. Well, maybe some people do, but not everybody does. But um, the, with all the flipping out, you, you know, there's there's a lot of language. There was a lot of religious language still used in his um, address. There was talking about blessings. There was talking about being um, your brother's keeper. 
you know, biblical quotes like that. So I'm, I'm not sure why they flipped out besides just wanting to. Because didn't, he didn't specifically. Yeah. Yeah. It's because of Obama. Well, yeah, I think that has a lot to yeah. do with it. There was, there was not a lot of reason behind it. And um, in researching this, um, you know, I thought, okay, this might be interesting to talk about and the back and forth. And maybe I should research what other presidents have said what in um, – in the past about Thanksgiving, but apparently Fox News and Jon Stewart did the research for us because <laughs> apparently George Bush actually won – George W. Bush, one of the years of his eight years in, in office, didn't mention the word God either. Clinton only did it four out of the eight times he was in office. Now, I'm sure Fox News would have flipped out about Clinton as well, but there's a lot of hypocrisy there, which is unfortunate. But um, we, we had some uh, good treatment of this – issue from John Stewart just saying, you know what, it's not a big deal. Why are you trying to make Thanksgiving, which has really become a secular holiday, into this culture war, war on Thanksgiving, Christmas, keep the Christ in Thanksgiving right. kind of thing? Well, well there's war. two other politicians uh, this year that didn't mention God in their Thanksgiving address. Rick Santorum <laughs> and Newt Gingrich. Oops. Neither really? of which mentioned God in their Thanksgiving address. Yep. Yes, but they're good Republicans, so it's okay. <laughs> they, they're, they're more than made up for by Arthur uh, uh, Langley, I think his name is, uh, the governor of the state of Washington, who basically, after several whereases in uh, the <laughs> proclamation, said, whereas today a godless tyranny again casts its evil over evil shadow over the world, endangering the way of life for which our forefathers and fighting men have paid so dear a price. Whereas it behooves us in giving thanks to pray um, as well that God in his infinite wisdom guide us, giving us strength and courage to face the tasks of the future. So, um, wow, he gave us a mention. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Godless tyranny. I've always wanted to be a part of a tyranny. See, the the thing is that this this state of Washington proclamation really goes way overboard in the religious language where no one seemed to have cared. If, if Obama had said God, well, which God would he have been talking about? Maybe he was saying we should all give thanks to Zeus or something like that. No, it would be to the, Allah. The assumption is that it was it's only the Christian God. Yep. I just like the fact that he uses the word behooves. <laughs> it's a good you, word. You've okay. got a centaur fetish, don't you? I, no. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> silence from the panel and silence from the audience. <laughs> Yay! Awkward okay. silence. <laughs> Can we move on? Yeah, I think so. We okay. might we might have, you know, this is the the last day of November, so I'm sh- I'm sure over the month of December we're going to have quite a few um, culture war, war, war stories. Well, you know, it, well be, before up. I move on, I do find it interesting because like when when I go home and and they they do the prayer, it's always you know what are you thankful for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that it makes sense because a lot of families don't just, you know, I, I'm sure there's a lot of family that, that do. It's it's all about, you know, putting God into it. But mostly it's, you know, thank, thanking everybody around them and the people who make the food and, and everything. Friends and so family. So it, it's more, it's, it's, a, it's a broader thanks 
than, than just one. There you just go, because there's one. a little bit of cognitive dissonance there when you give thanks, because yeah. we always have to think, well, who are we thanking? The Christians know who they're thanking. Yeah, we and I, I, I ranted about it last week. Should we be appreciative or thankful? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I honestly, like until I was about 10, I thought grace was just my father saying, hey, go easy on the butter, it's two ninety eight a pound. You know, That's what <laughs> I thought grace was every day. Did you say amen after it? I don't really remember. <laughs> okay, then. Okay. So we were all appreciative over the holidays. Yes. Yes. We're thankful. And appreciative to our fan and thankful to our families and friends. Indeed. And our fans. All of you. And our fans, yeah. All okay. two of them. Who who tend to be our, you know, friends and family. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next topic. And um This is the big one. Yeah, this is the big one. Uh, I hope I can I hope we can do it justice. Um if, if you follow skeptical blogs at all, then you've, you've read this story. Uh, we're going to talk about, um, what's his name? Sla- the Brzezinski Sla- Clinic? Sla- Stanislav. Stanislav. Brzezinski. Brzezinski. And Say that ten times fast. This is a pretty big story uh, that we've been trying to digest over the past, past couple of days. And um, we're actually going to ask one of our guests here, because he has some personal experience with this. Um, this is uh, Lake Robinson, who is joining us today. And um, certainly correct me if I say anything wrong and jump in whenever you feel. Um, Gary, you've read it. I think all of us have read about this story because every skeptical blogger in the world, I think, is writing about it. Last count, there was 150 blogs about it already. Um, <laughs> And uh, it's a long story. So let's talk about where we first kind of, at least I first heard about this. It's kind of a sad story. There's a, a little girl in the U.K., she's four years old. Her name's Billy. Bainbridge. Billy Jean is not my... Lo- oh, sorry. And No. <laughs> she has inoperable brain. She has an inoperable brain, brain tumor. And to make things worse, her mother uh, has breast cancer. U.K., of course, health care is free. But... They haven't been able to help her in the U.K., and they've been looking for other options. And they found this um, Brzezinski Clinic here in Houston, Texas, just a couple miles east of here, a couple hundred miles east of here, sorry. <laughs> and they have been raising money, the 200,000 pounds, to get her over here to get this treatment. Which is something like $400,000 about, more than that, $500,000. It's a lot of money. Yeah. A lot Island of money for the travel and yeah, the treatment. Three or four and um, someone, uh, she has to stay there or someone has to go over there and, and, and be with her for months. People that have helped raise money, a radio head has offered, has given a signed guitar that raised a bunch of money. They have um, some actors over there that have had shows to help raise money. And they've raised most of the money, and she has started her treatment. This was in The Observer in U.K., in a rather uncritical article kind of putting a plea out there for people to send money to help this little girl get treatment. Now, and a couple they, I, of, I assume they really gloss over what the treatment actually is in the article. Yeah, they, didn't, they do mention the Brzezinski Clinic, and that's, that's uh, where it is, and that's pretty much all they say right. in the article. Now, there's a couple of bloggers over there that were skeptical and looked up this clinic and wrote blogs in the U.K. criticizing the clinic um, saying there's really not enough evidence to say that this cancer treatment is effective. Um, they weren't terribly harsh blogs, but what happened next 
is that they got letters from the clinic or from a man saying he represented the clinic. His name is Mark Stevens. Well, hold on. He was an independent contractor to provide web optimization services and to attempt to stop the dissemination of false and inaccurate information concerning Dr. Brzezinski and the clinic. He did work for them. Initially, when he kept talking to the client and were starting legal action, he made it sound like he was their lawyer, which he is not. Right. That information was not disseminated in the past couple of months. That was given to us today or yesterday. You guys have heard of reputation.com. It sounds like he's one of those outfits that go and look at your presence online, tries to tamp down the bad press, get your Google hits higher in the list, and get better press out there. But there's a big difference between trying to correct factual information on Wikipedia and the threats that this guy has been throwing around. But you have to admit that since he's been doing that, Brzezinski Clinic has got more Google hits. So in that way, it kind of worked. So any press is good press kind of thing? Yeah. Now, we don't have a lot of time to go into the course. There was a lot of correspondence. Both of these bloggers basically did the same thing. They said, kind of took their blogs down and said, tell me what factually is incorrect about what we've said. Right? He would not do that. He would get more and more, more capitals, more exclamation points, more threats, and more personal. One of them, who was one of the bloggers from Quackamatic, right? And the first time he didn't get back to him right away because he said, my wife was in labor. So now this Mark Stevens says, for the sake of your new child and your wife, you need to stop what you're doing and take everything down. The other one said, I can't get back right now. I'm in high school, and I will get back. And when he learned he was in high school, very, very smart little, not little, a 17-year-old high school blogger, he said he was going to contact his school and tell them about his illegal activities. And he sent them a Google picture, Google Maps picture of his house. Not creepy at all. Yeah, some of the some of the texts that came that came in one of the last emails this guy wrote to the uh, the 17 year old blogger whose name was Reese Morgan. The um, Miss, Mr. Stevens wrote, "The minute you post any libelous comments online about my client, I will pursue you and your parents slash guardians to the full extent of the law." I have no obligation to train you, teach you the meaning of defamation. Google it or go to the library and research it. If you do not cooperate, an official legal complaint requesting punitive damages will be mailed to that address. I will be contacting your school as well to inform them of your illegal acts. By the way, not illegal. So um, the response from the skeptic community has been overwhelming. Um, and pretty much it's been the mission of every skeptical blogger to write about the Brzezinski Clinic in, you know, to support these two bloggers. Um, now, since then, and there's, I want to talk about, okay, first what's currently happening. Mark Stevens has been fired. released, fired. Um, well, we don't know that he's not, not working for the Brzezinski Clinic anymore. He's no longer a legal represent, representative. No, it says he he's no been told longer, to cut it he out. He no longer has a professional relationship with them. Okay. So now which, they're going to actually the, have their which lawyers. He could still be hanging out. Yeah. 
Um, and it's interesting that they're only going to go after U.K. bloggers because that's the easiest to sue because of the libel laws in the U.K. Yeah. Um, so let's look at the Brzezinski Clinic for a second, okay? It has a long history. I was not aware of this clinic, um, so I've been reading up on it. I've been to their site, uh, reading their site, and also the, uh, some historical. Um, there's There's been people following the Brzezinski Clinic for quite a while. Quack Watch had a big story on them in 1998, and already at that time they've been practicing for 20 years. Um, the Brzezinski Clinic in the 70s, or um, Dr. Brzezinski, uh, declared that he had a new cure for cancer. Um, now, this involved what he calls anti-neoplastins, which are peptides and amino acids taken from the blood or urine. He was using rat urine at the time. But now they, they synthesize it. Doesn't that sound healthy? Well, well <laughs> but but he what because he noticed that these were in uh, healthy persons' urines and not in people with cancer. Right. So he made that connection between. One would say he meant made more of a leap, but yes. He made the connection he, that we are deficient <laughs> in antineoplastins. He made up that word that are part of this biochemical defense system, which he also proposed, which is separate from our immune system, and that perhaps a lack of these causes cancer, and if you then try to bring your levels up, it will, it will cure your cancer. Now, this is in the 70s, and it's interesting to note that this is the same time when the National Institutes of Health, um, because of Tom Harkin, now had to have study alternative medicines and open up another branch in alternative medicines. And this was their first test case. They were really excited about this new alternative cancer treatment, and they were trying to push that through while the the current establishment said, no, they were insisting on rigorous scientific trials, while the new alternative office was was trying to be a little bit looser with the alternative meds. So it was there a lot of there's kind of intrigue between different governmental agencies between the uh, National Cancer Institute, between the FDA, between the Texas uh, Medical Board and between the uh, Institute of uh, Complementary Alternative Medicine that have been going back and forth. Now when you go back at at whether this cure is effective there's still no real evidence that there's any effectivity to this. this pretty, uh, pretty much since the 1970s. Since the 70s. He has been, um, uh, Dr. Ber- uh, whatever his name is, um, Dr. Berzinski, thank you, has been doing essentially phase one and phase two trials, which are just kind of your preliminary results where you test a half a dozen people to see one way or the other. And he keeps doing that over and over and over again to just keep his funding. Well, if I can interject for a sure. second, the the originally he was uh, uh, promoting this as a an alternative treatment in the in the normal in the normal sense of the word, you know, just kind of advertising, know, advertising every... it and paying people. But then the uh, uh, he was uh, a legal decision in I believe was, was it ninety eight ninety eight was uh, uh, handed down. Uh, from the FDA and from the Texas Attorney General that said, you can't do that anymore. What you're doing is illegal because you're selling uh, an unapproved 
uh, 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 medical practice. But um, what he found was there's a loophole. Mm -hmm. The loophole is you can you can uh, perform medical treatments that are unapproved if it's part of a clinical trial. Exactly. Yep. So there. So that's why since then he's had endless phase one clinical trials. Now normally you do, you know, a hand, you know, two or three phase one trials and you move on to phase two. He's done probably by now over a hundred phase one clinical trials. Exactly. And he's it, charging exorbitant and he charges, prices. Right. And he's taking home a million yeah. dollars a year. Oh, at, personally, easily. at least. Yeah. 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 The, the, the treatment costs million. more than a hundred thousand dollars a year. And that, that, that the patients have to foot the bill. And, and that's just, that's not normal for a phase one clinical yeah. trial. Right. So. Well, let's, uh, let's just talk about the cost because there, there was uh, a couple that looked into it and they did it for a little while. And there's a couple of uh, problems that they found out after uh, they went through the trial. Uh, first of all, their insurance co uh, coverage didn't cover anything. Of, of this trial. Brzezinski originally got into trouble because he was charging it as chemotherapy. Right. And, and it turns the out insurance it, company said, you can't do that. It's not chemotherapy. And according to some of the actual science bloggers, it is chemotherapy, but he's just calling it something else. With the, because he's, he's it's giving technically them, it's a chemical going in. Yeah, well, yeah. He, he's giving them standard chemo treatments as well as this antineoplazon, <laughs> plazon, plazon, whatever. Plastion. Is it plastic? I don't think it, whatever. Um, so this couple, and th there's a, a blog called BrzinskiScam.com, uh, in case you want to go check it out. They figured that they were going to be paying $30,000 per month for this treatment. They were being charged $1,750 for actual chemo drugs um, that normally cost $170 at the pharmacy. Yeah. And then what they found out like after they uh, they realized that it was it wasn't working and it, he wasn't doing what he said they found out that they actually couldn't go in and do other trials because what he was doing uh, wasn't wasn't regulated so they actually just had to go through chemotherapy regular chemotherapy without trying any of the of the because newer any other trials. trials could not know what the effect of those other unregulated medicines had been on them, so they couldn't participate in anybody else's experiments. Right. Yeah. And when you're, you've got a really severe or seemingly uncurable form of cancer or any disease, those, those trials are sometimes your last hope. Sure. And, and the, the difference between normal trials and Brzezinski trials is uh, you generally don't have to pay for them. Right. Or at least not $30,000 worth. And, and there's a, I mean, there's a, Formal structure, you normally – he's not following any of the rules for these. You have uh, institutions uh, – National Institute of Health. Well, you've got um, review boards at the hospitals that do these trials that have to approve the protocols and make sure they're safe. But he does all the trials himself. Right, he doesn't – No one else is doing trials. And if a doctor from another hospital comes in and does a trial, they're under his protocol instead of their home, you know, hospital. So no one's approving the RBs, and the FDA doesn't look at them, at the at the protocols. They're not looking at them. They've they've had some people come in and say these, these protocols are ridiculous. Even if you follow the protocol 100%, there's no way to know, in the end, whether it's effective or not because the controls are not there. Right, and and no one's no one's reviewing them. Uh, How and, did this and, couple find out that it wasn't working? 
Now I have to go back and look. Oh, okay. I'm While sorry. you're looking at that, <laughs> I've got a nice quote here uh, that we missed when we talked about uh, Mark Stevens. Well, <clears throat> okay, go ahead. He's talking about uh, uh, Quackometer. The days of no one pursuing you is over. Quack watch, rat bags, and the rest of you skeptics, days are numbered. <laughs> this was the uh, Mark Stevens guy? The lawyer. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, the not lawyer. <laughs> the alleged the, the, lawyer. The not so... So lawyer. Right. Okay. So so what what happened is every time that they went to the clinic, they never saw Brzezinski. They saw Brzezinski the very first time. They they said they would get a, a simple checkup by a nurse. They would see a different doctor, not Brzezinski. They would get medication, and they would always visit the insurance coordinator to hear how much they would be charged for the additional medication. And so they were out twenty thousand dollars the first uh, couple of visits and then they decided that they simply can't afford it $30,000 a month is just is just too much so they decided to wean themselves off the medication and, and go uh, a different route that their insurance is conventional gonna, right and then they realized that instead of seeing a doctor to figure out how to get off the medication and the treatment that they were they were sent to the to the insurance coordinator and they weren't giving any information on how to do that so they actually had to go to other doctors with the drugs that they were using to, to be told how they could get off those and so go on to a regular So it sounds treatment. like in addition to the, the poor medical controls and bad science, there was just a lot of shady, criminal-esque ex- it, it business seemed, activities. It seemed to be all about the money, according to these yeah. people. There's a couple of things. I, want, I know we're running long on this one. There's a couple of things I wanted to get on. Yes. Yeah, well, I was just about to say, oh, yes. how did you get involved with the Brzezinski <laughs> Clinic? Yes. Oh, no problem. The, uh, the, 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 the reason I got interested in this was um, about two years ago, I had a friend of mine who had uh, uh, brain cancer um, that, uh, that, uh, that originally, she'd had it some years ago, it had gone to remission, but then it came back. And um, unfortunately, she was uh, not particularly skeptical, so she uh, decided this time, instead of going to MD Anderson, she would look at the... Uh, going to the Brzezinski Clinic instead. And so uh, that's when I first uh, uh, started researching it and, and discovered a, a lot of the things that David's talked about uh, uh, today. It was frightening to think of her, you know, for, for one thing, just spending all their money on this thing that had no real hope of, uh, of, uh, of success. Right. Um, so, so what did you do to, to help her? Well, so I, I researched it, and, and then I... I, I because like, like, you, you, you went to Quack Watch, and, and right? I went to, Yeah, I went to, I got a lot of good information off of Quack Watch. That's right. um, quackwatch.com, by the way. That's right. And, <laughs> and one issue that I have is that uh, while they had a lot of information, I realized it's not very accessible to the average consumer. You it's, mean Brzezinski? Uh, no, did, the, the, uh, the, the information on Quack Watch. Okay. It's, it's written in a form that I think wouldn't be understandable to a lot of people. And uh, and so she really needed someone like me to read through it and then boil it down. And one thing I found really interesting, and this is uh, uh, kind of a, uh, something that maybe we can take a useful lesson from, is I found that when I was going over uh, um, uh, what I found, the, 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 the actual reasons why, you know, the statistical reasons why it's not an effective treatment kind of just made her eyes glaze over. 
But then when I explained one of the cases where, for example, he, like, in this case, he had uh, claimed a success when the person had actually had the tumor removed by surgery before she started the treatments. So it's um, the, the kind of thing where as humans were, were not as convinced by data, but were convinced by a good story. Exactly. And exactly. some of those good stories, like when they had people on TV talking about how, how they had been saved by Dr. Brzezinski, if they had a follow-up five years later. And what, what show was that? Um, Sally Jesse Raphael. Oh, right. Well, oh, actually, yeah, there's the and, bastion right? of science education. Um, well, have, one thing you haven't mentioned is the movie. Yeah, we're gonna. We were gonna get to that. <laughs> okay, but yeah. So, so, so there were there were like four or five people presented on Sally Jesse. Four, as, and when they did a follow up, two of them had died. Um, yeah, one right. of them had more advanced cancer. Like, did you that? Uh, yes, unfortunately, she 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 died last year. I heard you talk about it. I'm so sorry. So you know, yeah, usually when you get uh, to the Brzezinski Clinic, you are. But she ended up not going to the Brzezinski Clinic. Oh, I mean, okay. it's because because my you know the the, the story. I think she was convinced partially by the story and also when she actually visited the clinic, um, she said she got a creepy vibe from it. So there were guys walking around with hunches going, yes, master, yes, master. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, sorry about that. Can- cancer is, is a horrible disease. And you can understand, I mean, it's a dilemma. It's a horrible dilemma. And you don't want to criticize anybody that goes to the clinic because usually they're terminal. They're, they have no hope. And then they see something like this and say, well, what if there's a 1% chance? Exactly. That going They're grasping to... at straws. Right. You and know? you, and, and the, you can't the, blame the, them for that. Yeah. Right. But what you want to do is steer them toward the clinical trials that actually have a real hope of yeah. uh, doing something for them. Yeah. Not, based on science. Not Brzezinski. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, I applaud your efforts to basically get the information and talk to them about that because sometimes talking to someone before they've gone in is pretty difficult because it's just as hard – it's, it's worse trying to talk to someone after they've started and they've bought in psychologically and financially. And like you were mentioning, oh, the, the movie, which is just I, – I shook my head when I heard this. It's called Brzezinski, the movie. <laughs> oh, I thought it was titled Brzezinski, Cancer is a Serious Business. Yeah, Cancer is a Serious Business. <laughs> And yeah, there's by a lot of a by lot Eric of Eric Marola. Yeah, basically there. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it was basically a lot of uh, true believer testimonials. Not a lot of skepticism in this movie. And when you've got someone who's already uh, and bought in, I mean that they've they've participated in it and they've invested their hope in this one last chance. It's really hard to convince them otherwise. You really, like you were saying earlier, you really, you can't attack them and say, well, you're just being stupid. You have to gently come to them and say, well, have you heard about this? What about this? You know, ask the questions. Don't assault them. Don't scare them away from you. And it's one of the toughest things that a skeptic can do because all you, you have to really get your, your facts in a row. You can't make up bullshit. And this is, I mean, this is tough. None of us have the medical expertise on our own to decide whether this is an effective cure or not. So um, playing really doctor with a Allison? girlfriend doesn't help? <laughs> Allison <laughs> does. <laughs> None of us at this table. <laughs> Come on up. Allison, welcome to the mic. I, I, um, just, I work on, on, on clinical trials. I'm a Ph.D. doctor of scientists. Um, 
The only thing I could say, you know, if you're trying to have a friend or somebody that's interested in doing a clinical trial, is that all clinical trials in the United States that are IRB approved are on clinicaltrials.gov, and that's mandated now. And you, I would never be in a clinical trial that was not IRB approved and that was not registered under clinicaltrials.gov. You can be in a clinical trial that's not IRB approved, but there will never be, people that do these, which is kind of what we're getting at, he probably had no intentions of ever filing with the FDA, and that's fine. So if you're not planning on doing, going through the FDA, you don't have to have an IRB approved protocol to do your studies, but it's extremely dangerous, and the guy will be liable for possibly killing people. So anybody that is interested in trials, I would say that website is probably the best. Excellent. And does anybody ever have to pay for one of those approved studies as a patient? That I don't know. Okay. It might be something with your insurance, or it would be a lot more approved. Usually there's a nominal fee. Yeah, there's a nominal fee, at least in medical devices. But it's not, you know, it's not your year's income. Oh, absolutely. Like it seems like this guy is charging people $30,000 a month. Investigational drugs, you usually would not pay for it like that. By the way, the American Cancer Society, I keep hearing different numbers on costs. The American Cancer Society says that a year's treatment is $30,000 to $60,000 for this, according to them. So I've heard, but then this $200,000, you know, that this little girl needs, maybe a lot of that's travel, I don't know, maybe the cost has gone up. So I just want to bring that up. But they also have to, the clinic apparently isn't paying for a place to stay, for food, for all this other, for travel. So there's a lot of extra costs. But I would like to go on, speaking about the IRB, Brzezinski did get, the Brzezinski Clinic did get a letter in 2008 from the FDA complaining about their protocols. And there were eight points. I'll list some of them. The IRB approved research without determining that the following criteria were met. One, that risks to subjects were minimized and risks to subjects were reasonable in relation to anticipated benefits, if any, to the subjects, and the importance of the knowledge that may be expected to result. Number two. Yeah, because they didn't really talk about side effects and stuff. Right. The IRB failed to prepare, maintain, and follow written procedures for conducting its initial and continuing review of research. Specifically, the IRB has no written procedures for conducting reviews of device studies to determine whether they involve a significant risk and had no evidence that it had, in fact, conducted such reviews. Failed to ensure that informed consent would be sought from each prospective subject or the subject's legally authorized representative. The IRB failed to ensure that no member participated in the initial or continuing review of a project in which the member had a conflicting interest except to provide information requested by the IRB. And he owned the pharmacy where they were buying the drugs. Right. They failed to conduct continuing reviews for the following IRB-approved studies, and they list a couple of the studies. And they failed to maintain copies of all research proposals reviewed scientific evaluations. Gosh. There are problems. So this is the deal with IRB, is that if you're going to conduct a clinical trial, you'll go to, there are many, many IRBs out there, and typically what will happen is if you're going to do 
a clinical trial and you're associated with a university, your university will have an IRB. Or if you are at some kind of research institute, you will form an IRB. And an IRB, they're very specific. You know, there'll be one medical professional, one lay person, people from in, inside the institution, outside the institution, and, and so on and so forth. Um, and so what he may have done um, is, I, I don't know this, but I'm, I'm just, if he didn't use like MD Anderson's or any of the number of IRBs that are in Houston, um, since there are a lot of clinical trials going on there, he may have formed it, uh, a group of his friends uh, mm -hmm. or, or something like that or, or made something That's sort up. of what they, yeah. they implied. Yeah, and then the IRBs, when they're formed like that, they have to register, and um, clearly they didn't do that, and then there are annual reviews. There's a, there's a all IRBs, there's a very specific set of criteria that they do. Now, the thing about an IRB, they're not, uh, they don't have any say in, like, how well your study will go or they can't, they don't make any suggestions like this will be, I think this will be um, an effective treatment. They're just really there to make sure that the subjects are protected. Right, and informed so consent rules. Informed consent is the number one. Rules, yeah, like and, and annual reviews and to make sure that all of your um, studies are properly powered, which means there's a good uh, statistical um, significance for how many people you enroll in your study and so on and so forth. So. Uh, clearly, he just didn't have a good IRB, and it may have not been an actual approved IRB. Right, and, and it may be interesting to note that uh, some of the research I did on IRBs, because I didn't know what they were, uh, they were brought about because of uh, the, uh, the the German Nazi concentration camp studies that were done, and then the uh, Tuskegee syphilis experiments. Those are two of the major ones, yeah. And if you right. go back and read, um, the Belmont report is really where all this started. They, they realized they needed to, to protect human subjects. Um, and yeah, there's, there's so many cases like that, the Tuskegee, for, for example, but go and read the Belmont Report. The Belmont Report. The, the, the Declaration of Helsinki. Those two oh, are yeah. the, the, big, the big ones that um, talk about the history of how IRBs got started. Right. There okay. we go. A, a lot of this story um, sounds like very cultish. Because it seems a lot of the people who are true believers in this are the ones who are attacking the other bloggers who yeah. are saying that the you know the FDA saying that you should have these RARBs and whatever is an attack on Brzezinski and you know right. he's been under you know just it's the cancer industry that's against him doesn't it's the the secrets that they don't want you to know that kind of stuff yeah that that was the well, next point I wanted to address back to big pharma <laughs> yeah it's, yeah it's, because there's 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 I've seen like two layers of support. One are people who got better, right, and and they will attribute that to the to the clinic. But then it's tapped into this whole um, FDA, the whole healthcare conspiracy, that the FDA is just out there to prop up the big pharma and to squash any alternative treatment that might threaten their profits. And yeah. if you read the, any of the um, like go to Natural News or any other sites, or even go to these blogs where you have commenters. That's what they're saying. And they're saying, how can you believe that this guy's performing miracles and the FDA is just out there to squash him? And all they have to do is prove it. Yeah. Well, you know <laughs> That's what? That's all we're okay, asking is on. proof that it works. They, they think well, that they he, have. Brzezinski <laughs> has, and he has, quote, his, and I'm going to air quote here, so all of you who are listening later on, they've published results. And uh, Jen McCrite from Blag Hag on Free Thought Blogs did an absolutely fantastic job of basically ripping apart every single paper. Right. Yeah. Okay, so let me back up. What we need is 
proof and uh, reproducibility. Mm-hmm. Someone By other else people. has to be able yeah. to do what you're doing, otherwise. Right. That's it's the kind point. of because you know, he's using tricks. He's saying I published in this journal and this journal, right. and this and journal, and then you find out this was not a peer review. Well, a uh, lot of his are paper. N- it was just a summary of the state well, of the no. art at the time. A lot of it is either not a peer naughty peer reviewed, or he submitted abstracts, which right. are basically saying, "Oh, look, right. I'm going to talk about this eventually, someday, right. maybe." And then he counts that he as really here's a peer review study. Actually, talk about it. Um, <laughs> well, I, go ahead. Just one thing I wanted to add: the um, the the you know even what even once uh, you know as you were saying, Gary, even once we have solid proof, we still have the uh, pro Brzezinski propaganda steamroller uh, has a lot of momentum. I mean, we have the, sure. we have the movie that uh, er, that we mentioned earlier that Eric uh, Marola put out. Um, uh, Brzezinski and, and Marola together were on Dr. Oz earlier this oh, year. Was oh, yeah, uh, there, there's again, a bastion have, of scientific uh, knowledge again. And and and, and one thing that uh, that you mentioned, David, a, a few episodes back uh, when you we were talking about the We the People. Uh, petitions. Oh my goodness, he listens to the podcast. <laughs> I've got the petition. You've got right a here. listener. Um, the uh, you mentioned a petition to to, to that anti neoplaston should gain uh, final FDA approval. And here it is. That's what we're talking about. I and didn't mention that. Guess who filed that position, petition? Brzezinski. Someone named named Eric M. <laughs> Probably okay. Marola. The guy who made, the guy the made the movie. Yes. <laughs> and no. and it did at that time. There was a five thousand. Signature threshold, and it did reach reached over 7,000 signatures. That's right. And the White House has to respond to that petition now. If, to know what you're talking about, there's the petition system with the whitehouse.gov. If you have so many signatories, they have to respond. And there is a petition on whitehouse.gov to release this cancer treatment and allow people to it, it specifically – it's time for the general public to have access to this, this treatment. Well, hopefully the, right. the whitehouse.gov people will do the same thing that they've done with almost every other <laughs> petition and just give a canned response that basically says, yeah, we heard you. Or, yeah, we're not do it. or they actually use the science, you know, put science back where it belongs as from the State of the Union. Now, um, the Texas Medical Board has started proceedings again against the clinic, it got against Dr. Brzezinski. They filed um, in December of 10, and now it looks like there's going to be a new trial starting in April of 2012. This is going to be attempt number six to take his license away. So we're going to be, hopefully there's more awareness now, and I hope that maybe the skeptic community has done their job. But there's a letter-writing campaign to, for Perry to stop this investigation. He has a lot of support. And I've been shown the time. I knew this was a, a big subject. There's, it's huge. I mean, I've got a book here, and I stopped printing blogs because there was pamphlet. just too many. I um, this was a fast-moving story. I was gaining information today as more information came out, yeah. and I know there's we'll, going to be more information. We'll put some links on our blog and on our Facebook page with some of the um, – I know that there's one blogger that's got a list of, of everybody who's blogged about it. Yeah. But the, it's a really long list. We'll just put the link. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Gary. Hey. Tell us about uh, Brownback. Brownback. <laughs> In Kansas City, we have a, we have somebody from Kansas City here. So, this uh, high school student. 
tweeted a uh, a small missive about Sam Brownbeck, the is he the governor? Yes, governor. So he is the governor. Uh, and she basically said he was uh, stupid. Well, why don't well, we have our female voice podcast? Oh, there we go. Read it well, off. now she was at a what a student leadership council or something like that. Student government. Student, or student something government, like that. and they made a trip to the the capital. And she was sitting in the audience, texting, tweeting to her friends, and she wrote. Just made mean comments at Governor Brownback, told him he sucked. In person, hash mark, he blows a lot. Which she actually didn't. No, no, she didn't say he sucked. She said something. Uh, I mean, she actually didn't tell him anything mean in person. Right. She no. didn't she actually being, get up into a mic and talk to him. But So she lied. She, she lied did. on Twitter. She <gasps> was being foolish, yes. But Shame. she Absolutely. made this tweet and some... And villainous servants of yeah, brownbacks yes, were they, they trolling watch, the internet. As well they should, I think. They, they watch the social media, uh, the, the, the Twitters, the Facebookages, uh, to see what is being said about the governor. Because it, they, they follow uh, trends. So if people are really mad about what he's done, they can know, oh, perhaps we might want to change our policy. Which is a good idea. They are there to represent you know, right. the people. Indeed. However, Including in this particular case, they decided that she was very rude and got in touch with her principal and told the principal that they needed an, her to write an apology to the governor. Okay, now let's let's clarify this. It was his staff that made this request. That's, that's true, because he it threw them under the bus. It was this long chain of emails of, well, I found this tweet. I found this tweet. You know, this so-and-so found this tweet. So-and-so told me that so-and-so told me this So how did the principal tweet. react? The principal said, yes, I will do this. I will, ha- I will demand that she write an apology. And she said, no. Wait a minute. Well, Which hold on. She he said going on he here? told her that she needed to write an apology and actually and gave her talking points. Gave her tips. We need to start using names. You can see how well I've prepared for this portion. We need to start using names here, people, because there are lots of she's and he's being thrown around. Okay, well, so there's two the, he's and a she. The, the principal, uh, there's two she's Krowitz. because the staff member was a she. Uh, Principal Krowitz was tell, t- told Emma Sullivan, the, the student, that she should write an apology letter. She, uh, this principal suggested language and said, you need to turn this in by Monday. That's two stories where people have gone or threatened to go to the principal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because in my story, they were going to go to the principal. And, and so she says no. she was writing mean things. Uh, and there was a big stink about it. Um, and then Governor Brown back, threw his staff under the bus and said, you know, we were wrong. We really shouldn't have, have pressured the He principal. said, my staff overreacted to this tweet. And for that, I apologize. Freedom of speech is among our most treasured freedoms. I enjoyed speaking to the more than 100 students who participated in the youth and government program at the Kansas Capitol. They are our future. I also want to thank the thousands of Kansas educators who remind us daily of our liberties, as well as the values of civility and decorum. Again, I apologize for our overreaction. Do you notice that every time that we read something, that read a quote, we suddenly go really, really southern? Well, I do. (laughs) Is that how they speak in Kansas? Uh, whatever. Well, it's a, it's a way <laughs> hey, to differentiate it from my normal speaking he's kind voice. Of a cowboy, you know. And I do it with positive stories and negative stories. So I'm true. not trying to be insulting. No, okay. So, so here's the question. So what's the high school girl's name? Emma, Emma Sullivan. Sullivan. Let's hear it for Emma Sullivan. Yay! Yay! Let's hear it for the First Amendment. Yay! Yay! So here's the question. 
<laughs> What's your question? She there? was there as part of a class. Um, what sort of limits should there be on free speech? That's a good question. Should she is representing her school. Should there be any limits on free speech? I think no. However, you do have to deal with the consequences of your speech. If you go to a university, for example, they have a free speech area. For example, at University of North Texas, I know for a fact there was a small patch uh, in the university commons that you could rent out by saying, I'm going to be here. And uh, of course, the, the preachers always did. They'd, they'd get out there and, and do their hellfire and damnation stuff. But that was the place where you were allowed to say pretty much anything you wanted. Unlike the, te- unlike the steps of the Texas Capitol building now? Oh, okay. Well, See, that would be a perfect example where you, it's public land. You, you should be. But then you think about the, the protesters at the cor- was it, Cornerstone Church who were the, the pro-Palestinian who went to the church and started passing out and throwing out leaflets. Now, well, that's free speech as well. However, you didn't like that. Rude. No. But, you know, we've that. talked about this um, school and social media before as well. Right. When someone starts, like, bullying another student home at, when they're at home, but then that social media, everyone's on the social media and it affects the school. Right. right? And we've talked about how tough a question that is. I don't have the answer. This is well, another side of that. She's representing the school. She's at a school function. And I also read today that Emma Sullivan is getting basically backlash social media such in the way that you were ta- just talking about from her classmates over this whole incident. So she's starting to get bullied. Yes. That's where you start to have to draw that line of, you know, people making threats or making someone uncomfortable, where her tweet was basically, this guy's, I, I have no respect for this guy, he's, he's a dumbass. And, you know, okay, there's a little bit of a tone question there, but there's nothing aggressive there. She wasn't yelling fire in a crowded movie theater. I, I think one of the main reasons we have free speech and, and what they thought when they come up with that amendment is the ability to criticize public officials. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think that we should never abridge. Right? right. But again, at, at, a, at appropriate, uh, appropriate, yeah, come on up. Uh, appropriate, yeah, we... There, 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 there's times and places to, to criticize. Now, he was at a speech and she was on social media. At that point, okay, you're not really disrupting the proceedings, right? And it is a public event. Yes. So it's you know, not like private speech or anything like that. We've had thousands of years of developing kind of social, you know, these social uh, how to act in a social situation. And now the social media is turning everything on its head and no one knows it. what the rules are anymore. True. You know, what do you have? Uh, Has the the Supreme Court ever made a ruling about freedom of speech? For instance, students under 18 who do not have full constitutional rights. They can't make a contract. There's things they can't do. Why do they have free speech? There there have been some cases, and I don't know the case law, I don't know the specifics, but there have been some cases, a lot of it dealing with can a kid wear whatever shirt they want? You know, can a shid, uh, shid? What? <laughs> can a, can, well, I, you'll, it'll make sense in a second. Can a kid, kid go into, to school saying, fuck this shit? And the, the principals have the right to basically say that's not allowable speech. Because what you have on your shirt is a form of speech. Well, right, but, but then if it's disruptive to the learning process. 
Right. So there are limits on students' speech. Because, as you said, they're not fully adult and they don't have full rights. There are but limits in use of cell phones. That, also needs to be noted that Emma Sullivan is of majority. Right. She's 18. That's true. She's of majority? But it was a school yeah. activity. That's yeah. an interesting way to put it. A lot of questions. <laughs> I think you should be able to criticize your government. Yeah. Governor. Well, that's I, what I wanted to Okay. Yeah. But, you're, no, you're right. There's absolutely, you're, when, that's what makes it so difficult, because obviously there are rules in school. You don't have perfect freedom of speech in school. Right. And, and, and even, well, even in public you another, don't, because you still can't go to uh, a shopping mall, for example, and, and interrupt the, the commerce, right? You can protest outside, but you can't go inside. Uh, like, yeah. like, let's say uh, Walmart is, is, is in the mall, and they're against, you know, homosexual marriage. And so you can go and protest outside the, the Walmart. Right. It, but then again, it's, it's, that's private land. That's yeah. their land. So you have to be off of their land well, to protest. But besides, well, Twitter is in cyberspace. Inside. I mean, that's a whole right. other issue. <laughs> but, right. So, what, okay. So let's say, can, can you go on to Walmart's site and leave a comment? Can you go on their Facebook page and leave a comment? I'm sure, a lot of people do. <laughs> well, you can because Facebook, Facebook has the right to uh, say yes or no and deny the speech because that's their land. Facebook can say anything goes or I can censor you because this is mine. We like to think, oh, it's a big free, uh, uh, free for all. On, on Facebook, but no, it's that's owned by Facebook. Right. Uh, just like CNN, they do have Fox News, and all yeah. those people, they have the right to censor you because that is their server. That's their that's their land. That's that's their land. It's my territory. <laughs> but you know, in this specific case, you've got someone who's a student. That's kind of well, where's the free speech there? But you know, you have someone at a public event, and you know, not disrupting, right. and and the fact that. Some staffers overreacted so heavily in defense of their governor. Yeah, yeah. I think we can really all agree this was an overreaction. And, oh yeah, right. and she she <laughs> she did the right thing in saying no and yeah. sticking up for, for and her for, and for her right. Yeah, I think we can agree oh, to that. Right, I, I concur. All right. all right. So once again, free Thank speech. You. Yay! Yay! Thank you. Okay. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I just want to let everyone know we have a new member of the San Antonio Holistic Chamber of Commerce. Yay! Um, we do have a, a San Antonio chapter of the Holistic Chamber of Commerce, and that's where our, our nice um, holistic uh, businesses uh, join so they can be a member of their own Chamber of Commerce. And we have a new member. And promote their business and so that we have some content for the podcast that we can make fun of them. Um, this is uh, the business of Sita Readings, okay? And she's pretty much just an old-school um, psychic. Uh, her name is Sita. That is her spiritual name. Um, but she does palmistry, tarot. She reads auras, uh, messages from loved ones. I don't think that's Facebook. No, no messages. No messages from enemies. I think. I think from beyond. Oh, from beyond. Okay. Spiritual counseling. Beyond Texas, right? Past <laughs> lives. Messages from Nebraska. <laughs> and she has. You can do private phone readings, and she does parties. Okay. <laughs> so, 
She'll read your palm and then strip she for will, you? She will, she will do a bar mitzvah. I'm quite sure if you ask her. She, she will help make loving just, hold on, hold on. balloon that animals. That just sounds really wrong. Balloon animals of the tarot? This is a class act, okay? <laughs> Come on. Only if the balloons keep, have keep palms going. that she can read. Yeah. Okay. Uh, she will help you with her love and relationships, career, finances, grief, and loss. Reclaiming your joy and living, finding peace of mind, health, fear and anxieties, depression, and meditation. And I tell you what, tell, uh, whatever you say about her, she has experience. She's been doing this for 30 years. She uh, attended the University of Zurich in Switzerland. Yes. Ooh. Carl Jung. She's, Everybody. Yeah, she studied Carl Jung. Oh, um, I mean, she met Carl Jung? No, no, she... She researched into Every time the I hear the University of, of Zurich, I think Carl Jung. Yeah. Of so, course, she soaked a little bit of that. So she's a Jungian, a Jungian psychic? She has an academic background in ethnology, specializing in ethnomedicine, which is healing methods of different cultures, world religions, so and she's psychology. An she has Great. a diploma in medical herbalism and naturopathy. Of course. Yes, and because she, it's so hard to get a diploma in medical herbalism and, and naturopathy. She's Tibetan medicine. Yep. Okay, so she in does Zurich? have experience. And she learned aura reading in Bombay. She learned uh, palmistry throughout India, uh, where she got her spiritual name Sita, which means pure mountain snow, which is very nice. <laughs> Obviously, she wasn't talking about the Alps. <laughs> Um, so there's not usually I try to find something in the in the new members that's kind of different and right. that we can kind of research. But this is all pretty much run of the mill stuff, and uh, she has a lot of experience. But there there was something that caught my eye. Was um, it the thing about the healing hands? Um, she does bereavement <laughs> counseling. I no, guess I, did, I missed that part. Right? I'll, I'll, that... We'll get into it later. Why don't you do? Okay. Your... Um, she does bereavement counseling. Um, in the tradition of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Does anyone recognize that name? Five stages of grief. You do? Yes. Yeah, I wrote a paper on about how um, Queen's song, Bohemian Rhapsody, actually analyzes the five stages of grief for my psych class. <laughs> oh, my this goodness. This was like a 3 a.m. paper that wow. I literally pulled. Does it really? <laughs> yes. Listen to the song, analyze the words, it's five stages of grief. Never going to be able to listen to that song so the same way again. What does Galileo have to do I don't do remember him denying. Okay. Yeah, well. All right. <laughs> yes, no, maybe. Okay, she wrote, she wrote, she wrote her paper, I'm sure. It's she wrote there. On Death and Dying, which was a big, influential book, <clears throat> and probably complete crap. <laughs> and well, well the, the whole idea of the five stages of Well, the five stages of, of dying, grief is pretty much Yeah, it was it's crap, specific. It was a very specific study about a very specific situation that the pop culture has generalized to any grieving or any um, de- any death or any stress that you're always going to go through denial, you're always going to th- go through acceptance. Where no, actually right. you don't. Right now, she was also into out of body experience, mediumship, spiritualism, and past lives, and she claimed to know three of her past lives, including Cleopatra. She was one of Christ's teachers. That's a close second. Yeah, it's always Cleopatra, though. Not good enough to be Christ. She was one of Christ's uh, teachers. Uh, uh, where? They should, I mean, do, do we have any... Do, Canaan, I guess. <laughs> don't know. In, in, the, in the temple? No one in their past life is ever just like an apple salesman in the okay. Ukraine or something. But here's the Nobody's interesting part. boring. I've got in front of me a 1979 People magazine article in which they talk about 
she she went into this partnership with a guy named Jay Barnum of the Church of the Facet of Divinity. The Facet of Divinity. Well, His, I'm just wondering about that name, Jay Barnum. Does it does that sound kind of familiar? There's a sucker born every minute kind of Barnum. You know, okay, I, I, let I me tell you what happened in this right church. Now. <laughs> this it? church is where you could go, and they would shut off the lights, and you would be visited by the spirits and have sex with them. No, no that's awesome. <laughs> oh my God. Tell me, where's where's this? That this ex- was near San Diego. <laughs> this was back in that? the 70s. And and um, some people thought maybe it was a scam. But there was a huge waiting list. At any time, there was 1,500 people waiting to get into this. It wasn't a scam. It was the 70s. It was a swingers party. And <laughs> you, you had to leave your keys in the, in the pot as you walk in. I guess the spirits had to do that as well. Yeah, but like as you're leaving the party, your keys are covered in that ectoplasm. <laughs> now... Um, one of her friends was wondering if this was real and, and <laughs> went to this what, one of these parties. In what sense of the word are we talking Just real? And so, <laughs> so in the middle of one of these sessions, they had, the, they had the light switches all covered with tape, you know. So you couldn't, so you turn, couldn't the turn the lights on. Well, she and stripped the tape off, turned on the light, and there was Jay Barnum naked. <laughs> that would put a stop and to that. So, and for the, it ends up for the, for the men, he was hiring strippers to come and act as spirits. And then he was taking care of the women himself. <laughs> that's, that's. But she stood a by 70s his side. Were an awesome she, time. I mean, that Why? is really creepy and wrong, but not a bad. I mean, that's kind of smart. If you can get away with it. It's creepy and evil, but. I mean, that's that's one of the weirdest seances, I think, that I've I've heard of. So, this is from People Magazine Sex, Visitors from the Grave, Psychic Healing. Kula Ross is in a public storm center. But she stood by him, she said it was real. Well, I never knew that the author, the sex part, I never knew that the author of On Grief and Dying. Well, that kind of actually makes some sense, that, that church story. With one of the things that caught my eye that was on her website where she said, I learned the art of spiritual healing by gently using the energy in my hands to find where the problem is and to provide the necessary channel for healing. Well, that's what all the energy energy workers say, you know. So, okay, she's energy work. She did not mention energy work. Should I have used a southern accent? Yes. Anyway, her her site's energy. If you ever want to know the history of Tara and... Auras, aura readings. Tarot. She does. T- she kind of goes tarot, through. Tarot, right? Not the, Tara. Okay, tarot. Tara. She kind of goes through. It's it's a, it's an tarot. interesting website. Tarot. Tarot cards. It's okay. Down top. Down street. Anyway, um, so Sita. Sita readings is our newest member of the Holistic Chamber of Commerce. Yay! Yay! And I, I'd like I'd like to point out that should you go to her website, she it's it's actually kind of nicely laid out. She's got these little buttons that says home and tarot and and, and you you know you should be able to click on it. You can't. You have to yeah, go to the can't. bottom where it says next, and you have to like cycle through it one one page at a time. Sure. And she apparently was on KSAT twelve. Yes, um, on, and I was really looking forward to seeing 6, that. 6 p.m. news, and it can't be found anywhere. The link is you broken. I think I know somebody who works there. So. I Googled it and binged it. And, and the I link is broken in a good way. Site, unfortunately. 
Okay, so I think that's. I know somebody who works there, so I'll see what I can. You get do about. that because I want to see that video because I like making fun of Casey. But in the meantime, <laughs> I think it's time for the lightning round. The lightning round. Okay, Greg, start us off. All right. Well, one of my my first lightning round topic is um, about Sam's Club. Uh, there was a book that um, was going to books there. Yeah, yes. they sell they sell damn near everything. I've heard people that only you can buy books. coffins at Sam's Club in bulk. I thought you could only buy toilet paper there. Well, that's <laughs> disturbing that you can buy them in bulk. Yeah. Anyway, my lightning round story, which I don't have much time for because you guys keep talking, is about. Wow. Um, Brendan Smith is on the internet, and he has this website called uh, about the Brick Testament, which is he recreates Bible stories using Legos. Um, I guess you know not branded as Legos, so he doesn't get sued or anything. But you know he recreates actual stories. He quotes the scripture below the picture as a caption, and you know he'll show everything. If it's talking about Jepsiah and Wuvava having sex to you know. Uh, um, begat the next generation or something, he shows them going at each other. So apparently two or three people complained at Sam's Club that this book based on the website, which doesn't have any of the sex scenes, was just too too vulgar and too um, too violent for kids that they wanted wanted to ban. So Sam's Club has re- re- has stopped selling this book um, at 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 Sam's Club. So go out on Amazon, the Brick Bible. It's good for kids. Well, no, not really. Okay. All right. Did anybody here watch the Thanksgiving Family Forum? <clears throat> I uh, didn't watch it. No. But someone at Slate did and gave us some wonderful quotes. Why the quotes. hell would anyone want to do that? <laughs> now, there's a lot of <laughs> tremendous quotes here. Uh, don't have time for them, but after Herman Cain talking about how people of faith have not fought hard enough against people of non-faith, Michelle Bachman saying that our Ten Commandments are the foundation of our law and American exceptionalism, what I really found interesting was Newt Gingrich. Now, what do you need if you want to establish theocracy in America? You really need to subdue the courts. So that's what he was all about. And his ideas is, one, when you make a law, say this law cannot be reviewed by the courts. That's one thing he would do. The other thing is he would start abolishing courts that don't toe the line. And he singled out San Antonio Court of Judge Byrie. And remember Medina Valley? Judge Byrie is the one that said that you can't call uh, people to prayer during graduation. And his Newt Gingrich's justification, it says, part of the purpose of singling out Judge Byrie and eliminating his job is to communicate the standard that the two elected branches have the power and the authority to educate the judiciary when it deviates too far, far from the American people. And I think this would probably, I would take this approach. Theocracy in America. Sounds like he's not too big on the separation of powers, let alone the yes. separation of church separation and state. Separation of powers, exactly. And, yeah, Gary, so you're next. I am next. So. A needle-pulling thread. Yes, indeed. What's Joel Epstein up to? Uh, no, no, I know. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm just, I'm just having a large, dramatic pause. I keep, yeah, you fine. lost 10 seconds. Keep going. I know. So Joel Olstein, he is a pastor at Houston Megachurch, Lakewood Church, has signed an agreement 
to do reality television with the man who brought you Celebrity Apprentice. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? And The Voice. I'm Shows sure. Did that he Olsteins bring in the, the, the Real Housewives of Houston? It, well, that's the next one, right? That's probably the next one. So um, Olstein is going to maybe fly two or three hundred of Lakewood church members out to do mission work throughout America, and they're going to follow them around and show how lighthearted and fun that missionary work in the United States can possibly be. I can't imagine Joel Olstein missionary work. I mean, what does he tell them? Give me money. I, exactly. Well, it turns out that the Lakewood Church is the largest church in America, and they have 10 million viewers each week. So he doesn't really need this, so, but he's trying to get the message out. So they're going to be and I hope to they vote him off. They're going to be <laughs> establishing a position of what the church believes. I, I they, and it's they going to really be say. about their missionaries, right? Sure. So yes. maybe they should name the TV show the missionary position. No oh, God. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be here all the week. Try the veal. Tip your waitress. Someone ding him. <laughs> With that? Donna. <laughs> okay, so we've all seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where the, the, you have the big speech of how, you know, my cousin's boyfriend's sister's husband, blah, 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 saw Ferris puking in the ice cream store or whatever. Well, uh, researchers at the University of Milan have decided that instead of six degrees of separation, we are now only separated by 4.74 degrees. Wow. So that means I'm even closer to the Kevin Bacon. Yes, you are closer to the Kevin Bacon. You're three quarters I, I, so of how a person away from that. I feel creepy now. They, they were using a set of algorithms developed by the University of Milan to calculate the average distance between any two people by computing a vast number of sample paths among Facebook users. And they found that the average number of links from one arbitrarily selected person to another was 4.74. And in the United States, where more than half the people over the age of 13 are on Facebook, that number actually dropped to 4.37. You know, the whole calculation of degrees of separation probably got totally shifted when social media started. Because now you're connected to so many more people. I hate the fact that they don't round up to the nearest person. (laughs) <laughs> I, I want to know who that, that .37 I, person I know is. some people who really just aren't all there So I think that's what it counts ah, right, This is true You don't have to be a whole person to So yeah, I mean, Twitter. like I said You know, I could be, you know Four degrees away from Nick, you know No, you, he's right there yeah. <laughs> Well, not on Facebook <laughs> okay, and next is oh our guest. Our uh, guest, David. introduce yeah, yourself, David. and then you got ninety seconds. I'm uh, David Stanley. I'm uh, I'm a skeptic. I'm an atheist. I'm a humanist, and uh, all good things to be. I'm uh, a loafer. <laughs> a, oh, wait, I'm, a lover or a loafer? Loafer. Okay. A penny loafer. Oh, okay. That's all I have. But I wanted to talk about Newt Gingrich. Uh, he was a professor in a small Georgian college, and he thinks, therefore, he's he's the America's professor. He can tell us all the all the facts we need to know about our history. Every time he writes a book, it's got a co-author. So how much writing did the co-author do? And Gingrich did, did just put his name on it. And so we're talking about Keynes' affairs. What about uh, Gingrich's affairs? When his wife was dying in the hospital, he was having an affair. Did the statute of limitations run out on that? And 
No, just new juicy stuff showed up. <laughs> but, but we could rehash it, couldn't we? I mean, we love doing that anyway. We love reading about it, and the press loves doing it. But uh, Gingrich is not a uniter. He's a usurper. In 1995, he shut down the government. So he talks about, he talks about unity, and he talks about how sagacious he is. But he really, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's sham. It's, it's a carnival barkers thing that he's doing. And uh, so really, he's, he's no better than the other, he's no better than Governor Perry, actually. I always find it interesting that he's a, uh, I, does he have a doctorate in history? Yeah, a master in history. Anyway, he, he majored in history, and he, he seems to have forgotten a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because he's, he's starting to repeat a lot of the mistakes right. of uh, some, some of the predecessors that certainly being in government he should know about. But why does he need a co-author? Right. <laughs> he's starting to parrot David Barton a lot. He has not. Oh, there we go. Let's not get started on that one. <laughs> ding. Whoops. Because we lost the ding. Okay, Greg. No. Greg, you're next. All right. Someone wake up the dinger. Thank you for joining us. All right. Um, in, let's see, where the British town of um, Hearn Bay, 73-year-old Dora Birch has a problem. What she, would that be? She is being kept up nights by a ghost who keeps groping her when she is trying to rest. Didn't I just talk about that? You just did? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, apparently she's in her own bed. She's not in some church in the dark, but she's compared it to an octopus that it started four months ago. She just lies in bed, feels these creepy feeling of hands. It's, it's the ghost she, of P.Z. Myers. <laughs> she needs to quit watching Japanese anime. That's all I have to say. She's tried sleeping without the duvet. She's tried throwing out the mattress. Like, you know, I guess my first theory would have been there's a rat in the mattress or something. But That feels um, like an octopus? Yes. <laughs> and because she's 73 years old, she's been worried that coming forward about this might make people think that she can't take care of herself and she'll be put in a home. I can see that, but you'd think at 74 years old, living alone, that she'd be quite happy to be groped in the... Yeah. Um, but the I'm sorry for anybody that's <laughs> 74 years old. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that one. <laughs> anyway. Um, sorry. <laughs> well, this is all just, I mean, yeah. sleep paralysis like we've talked about yeah. before. Yeah, it's, it's probably just some that or maybe some neurological issue, some misfiring or something like that. It's always when she's waking up or going to yeah. sleep. But the fun part is the story about this in the Huffington, Huffington Post is just completely credulous. They believe everything. It must be a ghost. We have to get an investigator in there and hooey. Okay. And it's easily explained. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Probably 15% of Americans have... I've had that experience. Anyway. <laughs> so we I'm are next. the fifteen percent. I am next. Now I've been groped by a ghost. I've actually got another slate article here. And it asks the burning question, is Lady Gaga a Satanist Illuminati slave? I'm sorry, what? Slave? And what this article talks awesome. about is uh, now I was not aware of this, but there's been rumors since the nineties of pop culture icons being slaves of the Illuminati. <laughs> where they help them become popular if they agree to um, put subliminal messages in their songs and in their videos and so on. And the, the big players here supposedly are Eminem, uh, Jay-Z, Lady Gaga, Cayenne West, Lil Wayne, Beyonce, and Rihanna. All have been, all are suspected of being part of the Illuminati, basically have sold themselves out to the Illuminati in order to help the Illuminati gain control and world power through subliminal messages. Well, well I'm, I'm safe because I haven't heard of many of those people. 
Now, I want to be a sellout to the Illuminati. I know. I'll, I'll be a no-talent hack. Oh, sorry. You know, <laughs> we hear about the Illuminati a lot and how crazy it is. This article actually goes into some I did not know the real Illuminati and how it started. And it was a Bavarian freethinker group. Mm-hmm. Um, not it was an not people who made candles. Freethinker, atheist, secret society. So I think <laughs> they should take over the world. Well, we are looking for a sponsor for the podcast. So <laughs> it's possible that we could just be the, you know, the Skeptic Wire sponsored by the Illuminati. House, sure. Okay, Gary. And Hi. no one will know the difference because we're secret. <laughs> we famous without anybody listening. Hi, what, me? Um, so yeah, I get, guess, I get, get whacking at the story. <laughs> I get interesting posts on my Facebook wall and, and friends post interesting articles. And this one kind of took me aback and had me cocking my head a little bit. <laughs> so apparently... Uh, a Brazilian boy, <laughs> 16, dies after masturbating 42 times without stopping. Now, first of all, you can't really die from masturbation directly. You could like, try. You don't. You don't like you know. You know, suck yourself dry. I no, wish we had a video camera to yeah. see those gestures um, that we could post to the web. And so I, I tried to do a little bit of, of research on this <laughs> to, to find out where the story came from. Oh, that kind was, of research. It was on like GenGen.com, which is sort of an a- aggregation site. And they say they said that they got it from uh, HipHopWire.com, which is you know a fantastic source of world news, especially from Brazil. Uh, and I guess it has a lot to do with hip hop masturbating. <laughs> does. So okay, you lost me. But good going. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just um, I'm dealing with this as, as I go along. Um, but it turns out that originally it was on a joke site, so it's not even a real real article. Well, so that's that's funny because when you posted this, I found the next day an Onion article that the headline <laughs> was uh, "Teen Stops Masturbating to Save His Family from a Fire." <laughs> <laughs> it kind of worked out. Okay, uh, Donna. <laughs> no, no. Let's keep talking about masturbating. Masturbation. Silence I from like the panel and silence from the audience. We're going to hear about Tylenol. You know what? I'm just going to read this article because it is really <clears throat> that short. Okay. According to a study published Wednesday in the British Journal of Clinical Pharmacology, staggered overdoses in which a person repeatedly exceeds the daily recommendation through small overdoses can cause the Tylenol, can cause Tylenol, aka also acetaminophen, to build up in the liver and kill cells. Back in July, Johnson and Johnson, maker of Tylenol, issued lower dosing instructions for the painkiller. Doctors say it's important that people take Tylenol. You or take ac- one instead of two now. Take right? Tylenol or acetaminophen strictly adhere to the recommended dosage. Didn't they go from two pills to one in the recommended I dosage? No idea. There's been a public I service announcement by. <laughs> The skeptic wire. I know someone who takes a lot of and now you know. always takes more than the prescribed so, amount. I need to. So I need don't to tell them take about this. twenty well, at a time. You there we go. You can hand that Thank to you. <laughs> so what's so what's the point? Only take two. Only take one. I think they reduce don't take it to it, one. Don't take, take it, it to, as prescribed. But what if, what if you're really bottle. in pain? What if you're really worried about the that bottle. hangover the next day? Don't get drunk. Doesn't work. <laughs> Works for me. Take I understand that you're not supposed to be taking the. Uh, acetaminophen um, after you've been drinking anyway it's bad for the for your organs okay 
Am I right, doctor? Yeah, pretty much I'm yep. done. She's I, all right. That was all like, literally, if you Excellent. see how long the article is. Good story, <laughs> Donna. Thank you for that public service announcement. I try Don't take too best. much Tylenol, I'm going to have to find that NBC uh, swishy noise now, right? No. It's actually the more an important you know, I'm glad I know this. And I'm glad our listeners know. Well, I would hope that our listeners would understand that don't take a lot of anything. You know, even when we were talking about the, the yeah, drug discussion. Don't take no guff from Yeah, me. but yeah, people say, we, oh, I've got a really bad Gary, headache. Don't take a lot and of they do it over and over. Yanking it Let like me a take monkey to make four. a tree. Right. Don't do that. That's right. Take the recommended Those dose. monkeys are falling out of those mango trees. Okay. So not only are, are we entertaining <laughs> and informative, we're trying to save your life. Yeah. That's what we do. <laughs> and we're done. Yay. The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the PodPosted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. Next one should be uh... okay. <laughs> a little bit more silliness now. A bit of fluff. <laughs> it's not that kind of podcast. <laughs> you know the the, the, I, I, the marshmallow fluff that you put on oh. um, sandwiches. Okay. We're not a culinary podcast. Okay, boy, I just well, totally went I'm in the gutter just... with that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> You lost me there, Greg. That's okay. Oh, we are not a fluffy podcast. Yeah, we are not a rich and creamy podcast. and sugary fluffy podcast. No, that's that's <laughs> Easter when you can eat peeps. Those are fluffy and marshmallow. Okay. And. All right, I'm just going to shut up now. Let's are we going to continue on right now? Yes, sure. We're, uh, we're on to the next. We're on a roll. Are we live? And we are rolling. We are. I told you we're not a culinary podcast. No rolls, no buns, no fluff, you know, <laughs> no marshmallows. Okay. Or, yeah, you can cut that all. Nope. <laughs> Please do. Please cut it. <laughs> we have a I'm majority. Very... We have no. a majority vote. Fifty no. percent of us say cut that. Audience, yeah, who says 50, we should cut that? There's fifty percent that are I, saying keep audience, it in I, I, I am the decider. <laughs> we live in a democracy. I edit damn it, this, you know. You think this is a democracy? I hate to tell you this. Technically, we're a republic. We live in a republic. Damn it. Where's my representation? <laughs> You have no representation here. Okay. All Moving right. On. Now that that's <laughs>